You're listening to the Living a Life Unleashed podcast. Welcome to the Living a Life Unleashed podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Bishop. Hey, thanks for tuning in, you guys. If you are new to this podcast, welcome. I'm glad you're hanging out with us because each week I invite a guest onto the show to talk about a topic that is meant to spark ideas and give us ways to grow, get unstuck, gain new insights, and compel us to action as we journey together to playful out and live fully into who we were created to be. And hey, please share this podcast with others when you listen and leave comments and reviews because when you review the podcast, it gains more visibility to others. Well, I have a question for you. Have you ever experienced wilderness seasons? You know, the times in your life where you're just kind of feeling isolated, maybe you're a little bit lonely or experiencing sadness or maybe even feelings of depression or Maybe you've experienced intense times of waiting that really tested your faith. Well, the the fact is we're all going to enter into wilderness seasons in our life. And my guest on today's podcast is Marion Jordan Ellis, and she and I are going to talk about wilderness seasons. And Marion's going to share from her book, Wilderness Skills for Women, some tools that we can use when we find ourselves in the wilderness. Well, a little bit about Marion. She is the founder of Redeemed Girl Ministries. In addition to authoring Wilderness Skills for Women, she's also authored Sex in the City Uncovered and her latest book, Stand. Marion is also a conference speaker and Bible teacher, and she's a graduate of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Marion lives in San Antonio with her husband, Justin, and their three kiddos, Andrew, Brendan, and Sydney. And it's so good to have you on the show today. Welcome, Marion. Well, it's so great to be with you, Lisa. Hey, how's the weather in San Antonio these days? Because we're, we're taping this podcast in Chicago, and let's just say it's a little bit cold. Well, you know, I was never, ever going to bring up the weather to someone who is braving a Chicago winter, but I will say in Texas, it has been on record colder here in the last month than in Alaska. And Whoa. We all live here for a reason, people, and it's not to be cold. So, um, yeah, we don't, we're not prepared for this. We have to shut down the entire state. It snowed the other day. Literally, the entire state of Texas shut down because we don't know what to do. <laughs> oh, my so. gosh. Colder than Alaska. Okay. You, yeah, yeah, you have, you have a reason to lament. Uh, but yes, I've been in Chicago in the winter with the winds that I thought would rip my bones apart. So, I will never compare a winter <laughs> to Chicago. So. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about what you have been up to these days. I think last time we talked briefly, you were on vacation and what what's going on in your world? You know what? I don't think anyone should ever call a trip home to see their family vacation. Oh, I mean, true. maybe family's different than mine. It's a vacation, but mine is not. Um, so yeah, um, I spend most of my fall and spring traveling a lot, speaking at events. And then um, I had a new book come out in August. And I know that you have authored several books. And the one that I'd love to talk about today, the book that you authored, on wilderness, so wilderness skills for women. How how did that book even come to? How did that come to be? 
Well, I kind of chuckle as you asked me that question because I actually wrote this book many years ago and I was in a very dark place in my life. And um, I had started, you know, like following Jesus um, at age 25. And I was one of those very radical, fell head over heels in love with Jesus and surrendered my life to him and uh, really um, wanted nothing more than God's will for my life. And and so as you know, 25 turned to 30, 30 to 31, 32, I began to notice that um, there were some dreams and desires and hopes for my life that were not being realized. And um, in addition to that, it you know, as a woman, you have this kind of list of, you know, when I'm this age, my life is going to look like this and all that kind of stuff. And none of those things were materializing. And so it was hard because on one hand, I was finding life and fulfillment in Christ and, and freedom and all of these things, but there were still these unmet desires. Well, around that same time, I, I dated and was... Um, really had fallen in love with this guy whom I thought I was going to marry and all this kind of stuff. And, and then it abruptly ends. And, um, then I go through this real season of rejection and heartbreak and he marries someone else and all this kind of stuff. And the whole point of me telling you that story is that was not the wilderness. What that was, was a catalyst into the wilderness because what the wilderness is, is when what you believe about God is put to the test. So I come through this period of unmet desires. I come through this heartbreak. I come through this rejection and all of this stuff. And what I did is in the Bible, it says that Jesus walked into the wilderness. It was like, I walked into this season where my faith in God was tested. Hmm. Is he good? Does he love me? Does he have a good plan for my life? Can I trust him with the desires of my heart? And so in all of this, it was like my heart was being shredded with this pain and this heartbreak and the enemy Satan took advantage of that and he began to whisper these taunts and lies to me that said something like this so Marion how much do you love Jesus now because hmm. see in the seven years previous to that moment all I could talk about was how much I loved God how how good God was and all of these and then that love for God was tested and and that's where the, the book Wilderness Skills for Women was birthed, because I had to learn how do I literally walk by faith right now? How do I literally trust a God I cannot see right now? How do I battle these voices that are telling me to bail on Jesus and to turn back? How do I do that? And so I literally had to go to God's word like I was lost in a wilderness, and it was my guide to show me how to get out of this. Wow. And so that's where this birth book came from. Now, were you surprised that you entered that wilderness season or were you anticipating that that at some point in your Christian walk would happen? Oh, Lisa, I was absolutely surprised. Yeah. And a lot of that was bad theology on my part, because up until that point, you know, I came to Christ and the message, the predominant message that I heard was, well, if you love Jesus, he has a wonderful plan for your life. Mm. Well, no one had told me that that wonderful plan sometimes meant suffering. Sometimes God allows things to break our hearts because it's not his best and because he's got something better and because he's working out something we can't see with the natural eyes. And so, um, yeah, I wasn't prepared for in some ways to go through that season. So I was very much surprised. And I write in the book that 
And I realize now that this was not true, but in the, in the moment I arrived, I felt betrayed by God mm. because what in my mind, I thought God was supposed to work out my life the way I thought it was supposed to go according to the script I had written for myself. And see, that's not who God is. He, he is sovereign. He is all knowing he is good and he, he can see the future and he knows what is best. And so, because I thought I knew what was best for myself. I felt betrayed. And so 10 years later on the other side of that wilderness, I can say without a doubt, God was so good to me. God spared me what would have been a a horrible match for me. God did such an incredible blessing in my life. But at that time, I didn't see that. And that was part of the wilderness is having to trust him when I can't see what the future holds. Yeah, no, I, I can totally relate to that story too. I think that we, and of course, God does give us new life and abundant life, but it's not in the same way that we think. But when I became a Christian 20 years ago, no one said, oh, and by the way, you're going to suffer. Like, it'll be okay because Jesus is going to be with you. But we, we, we didn't, you know, we, we don't usually share that part of it. And I think we almost kind of, I don't know how to share it without scaring the bejeebies out of somebody, but we almost kind of do a little bit of a, a disservice when we're not just honest about those times too. And that's why I love this podcast as well and people sharing their stories and you sharing yours as well, because it just kind of, it, it normalizes suffering. It normalizes wilderness. I mean, I I was in the wilderness about 15 years into being a follower of Christ. I'm on staff at a church. I'm like, oh my God, I'm doubting my faith and thinking, oh my gosh, I can't, I'm on staff at a church. I can't doubt my faith. And, you know, wrestling for a good a good year, which, you know, God says that when we wrestle, our, you know, our faith will be tested and proven, et cetera. And so, you know, coming out on the other side of it, you know, stronger and more firmly rooted. But man, when you're in the wilderness, it is not, well, that's why it's the wilderness, right? It is not easy. It's a ba- it is a battle. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think for each of us on the other side of the wilderness, there's a promised land. Yeah. And I think that needs a little explanation for our listeners because so God redeems uh, the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, which is a parallel picture to our salvation in Christ. You know, um, the work that he did to, to set them free from slavery is a picture of us being set free from sin. And so then they go from Egypt and their destination is this promised land where they live on the promises of God. They live in the abundance and all the blessings that God has for them. But between there and the promised land, there was a wilderness. Now that wilderness for Israel was meant to be just a very short journey. could have been two weeks, 11 days, some people say, Uh, but instead it turned into 40 years. And the reason it turned into 40 years was because of unbelief. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what happens to us, we go through a battle, we go through a test that says, do I really believe God? And when we get to the point, Lisa, like you did and I have, that we say, despite what my eyes can see and despite what my circumstances hold, I'm going to choose to believe God and move forward. That's the only time we come out of the wilderness. A lot of people, a lot of people quote unquote, lose their faith Hmm. because they choose in those moments where they got the bad health report or the husband cheated or whatever. They choose in those moments where life hands them something awful to say, you know what? I don't believe God anymore. 
And when instead, what God's wanting to do is to take that horrific situation that Satan intends for evil and to use it as something really good in their life and to use it to transform them and to bring them out of the wilderness and into their destiny. But, you know, we've got to make those moments. And I remember being on my floor in my bedroom when I was at the peak of my heartbreak and just saying, God, I'm not going to turn back, but you've got to use this. Mm-hmm. Like, and so when now, when I get you know emails or messages from women around the world who've read this book, Wilderness, I tell them that moment, I said, you are the answer to prayer that I wanted God to redeem my heartbreak and use it for good. Mm-hmm. You know, just them being able to benefit from it has, has been redemption to me. And we're yeah, absolutely worth the wilderness for. Absolutely. I hear you. So let's talk about some of the uh, areas of wilderness that you talk about in your book. I think you have, are there four or five different types of wilderness? Let, let's talk a little bit about those and maybe unpack them. And then we can talk about some skills because I know that there are women listening to this podcast right now who are like, yep, I'm in the wilderness. So what, what are my survival skills, so to speak? But what, what are some areas of wilderness that you have seen uh, more consistent or more prevalent? You know, I think for a lot of women, um, we all at some period go through some form of rejection. And that hits so deeply to our identity that um, it can become a a wilderness. Um, I've had friends who've walked through the divorce or friends whose husbands struggle with pornography or like in my case, I was single for a very long time and going through breakups, you know, um, all of those different things or whether it's like um, you're being rejected for some kind of, um, you know, issue with your body or whatever it is, um, uh, those things can strike to be so painful, you know, and, um, as women, we go through that. And so what I do in the book is I talk about the story of Joseph and how in the Bible, Joseph was, um, not only rejected by his family, his brothers, you know, uh, tried to kill him, but then sold him into slavery. But in this beautiful story that's in the book of Genesis, we see that, um, what seemed like rejection was actually God's protection. And I'm, I, that rings out like a cliche, but let me tell you, it is the the greatest truth I've ever learned is, mm-hmm. is that sometimes man will reject us. Sometimes things will happen that wound us in rejection. But when we bring those things into God's hand, we can ultimately see that uh, what man has intended to hurt us, God will use ultimately to protect us and to take us into something greater. And so in the life of Joseph, God redeemed his own family selling him to slavery to ultimately so that Joseph would be the one that would be able to provide for his family when a famine hit the land in, in, in Canaan and Egypt that millions of people were dying and that God used that and used that rejection of man to position Joseph to be where he was. And in my own life, you know, I look back at that season of rejection and heartbreak and know a thousand percent that that was God's will. And he used it for me, first of all, to be able to start the ministry that thousands of women have come to Christ through praise, all glory to Jesus, all glory to Jesus. But had I not gone through that wilderness, had I had Marion's plan for her life, I would have never 
ever started Redeem Girl Ministry. And also, God knew that I needed to be rejected by this person. So first of all, I would come to know and love Jesus more and find Him as my first love. And second of all, God knew He had a better, more perfect husband for me that it wasn't time for me to meet yet. Mm -hmm. And so all of that, that wilderness of rejection, we can so elevate and exalt man's opinion of us that we sometimes miss what God is doing in the midst of that heartbreak. Yeah, because we can't see. I mean, we we have such a limited context for what what God is doing. And when it's in front of us, it's like, God, how could you take this relationship away? Or how come I Mm -hmm. can't have a child? Or how come this person I've lost in my life? And and it's it's those times where, you know, even asking, God, will you help me to see with your eyes? You know, help me yes. to see with your eyes. And we aren't gonna know, but it is that trusting of Lord, you are your word says you're working all things for my good that you may be glorified. And and you know what? But yes. we we will doubt that, but it's you know what, it's not that we don't doubt, it's like do we stay the course and stay right. that that's the most difficult part. So how rejection's one of them. I think another another wilderness that you describe in your book is temptation. Tell tell us about that. You know, um so in the in the conversation about temptation, I think we need to back up and have a little bit bigger understanding of what it is. Um, we're all tempted, whether it's to sin or to doubt God or to walk away. But when I talk about a wilderness of temptation, what I'm talking about is behind every moment of suffering or trial that we walk through. So whether that's that an illness or whatever it is, or, um, you know, for a mom, maybe their kid has walked away from whatever. Um, what I'm trying to get myself and women to understand is that every temptation is actually a war for our worship. Hmm. And what the enemy is trying to do is say, you know, He's always trying to get us to doubt the character and the goodness and the power of God. And so when we go through a heartbreak or a trial, we, you might want to just stop and begin to think about the thoughts that fill your mind. Man, if God really loved me, he would dot, dot, dot. If God was really good, then he would dot, dot, dot. Those are all temptations temptations to not believe God and to not have faith. And so behind all of that is the enemy who is tempting us to walk away. Um, There's a story in John chapter six, where Jesus has this huge mass following of people and his popularity is at its height. And then Jesus begins to like his words and his teachings become more intense. And it says in scripture in John six, that a lot of his followers started to fall away. It wasn't cool to follow Christ anymore. And so Jesus then turns to his closest 12 friends, closest 12 disciples, and looks at them and says, are you going to go too? Are you going to walk away too? And so what I think a wilderness of temptation is, is that moment where we're all tempted to walk away. Hmm. Now, I want to be very clear. If you're a child of God, you do not lose your status as his child. Jesus accomplished that for you. But we can, in our hearts, turn away from him and lose the intimacy that we know and the uh, the favor that we have and then just that, um, that abiding sense of his presence by closing off our hearts and unbelief. 
and we do not experience all the abundance that God has for us. Now, I, I know that there are born-again Christ followers who go through wilderness seasons, who stop what I would call um, loving and following Christ. Now, they may still be born again. I can't, that's only Holy Spirit can know that, but um, that, that's kind of the temptation that they're facing. Right, right. Wow. Well, should we dive into a couple of wilderness skills or should we touch on despair and unmet desires in the wilderness? Because I think those are two that a lot of women can relate to as well. You know, I feel like um, the issues are very similar in those. Um, it's Those are really kind of the outworkings of the temptation and outworkings of certain events is that you can get stuck in despair. Uh, you can get stuck in a place where your unmet desires are really um, uh, holding you captive, so to speak. Instead of living in a life of surrender, you can just be held captive to that unmet desire. And so I think some of the skills are really important for wherever women are. You know, someone would find themselves right now because you may not be in a wilderness, but you may go into one, you know, that's a good the, point too, because we got to, you don't want to just have, try and use skills in the wilderness. If you haven't built them, that they're not going to, they're not going to work very well. Oh, and that's, that's exactly what happened to me. You know, um, I was in that place. I, you know, I talk about being on the fetal position on my bathroom floor, crying my eyes out, cannot stand up. And you, you know, you said earlier, you were on staff at a church and so was I, my job was to be the Bible teacher. And I was like, how can I stand up, get out of my house, drive in my car and go teach people about God if I'm struggling with my own faith right now? And so from there, it's like I remember just standing up, washing my face. It's like that that cold water, like kind of bringing me into God said, you have got to get in the word and hear the truth. Because what's happened so often in the wilderness, it's that voice of the father of lies that is tempting us and lying to us that we have to combat it with truth. So speaking of the skills, um, you know, I did actually go... um, into Colorado and Wyoming for a week when I was writing this book. And I went on this like backpacking, learning to survive in the wilderness alone kind of thing. I was, I know I I went on this like really adventurous, which is so not me. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I am a city girl, like who likes, you know, occasionally to be out in the country, but like, I am not a survive alone in the woods girl, but to learn some of these survival skills, I did do that, uh, in, in, research for the book. And so, um, the first thing that you have to have if you're out in the wild is you have to find water. Um, and you know, our bodies are made of water, our, our organs and everything will begin to shut down after three days of no water. You will die quickly without water. And, um, when God began to show me that I needed to develop my wilderness skills, the first thing he showed me is that the water is the word. And if I was not filling my mind and filling my life and my heart with his word, then I was even more susceptible to the, to the lies and to the untruths. And so I was going to be holding on to things that were poisoning me versus something that was filling me. And so as I really just add a, as an act of my will began to just in the midst of that wilderness to sit down with God's word and to drink drink, 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 drink. And there is something supernatural about the word of God, the Bible, just to 
bring peace to our souls, to bring rest to our minds where they're filled with anxiety, and to combat lies that we're either believing about ourselves or about God or about the future. And so it's just amazing how God will time you reading a certain passage that, you know, you may not live in that context of that day, but somehow it speaks to your situation and what God is doing in your life in that moment. Yeah. And it's fascinating too, because I think Sometimes they're like, oh, I know I should read the word and it sounds so basic. Yes, it is. It's it's quote unquote basic, but it is absolutely essential. I just think about all of the other messaging that we get even unconsciously or unintentionally on a daily minute by minute basis. And if we're not filling our minds with the truth, the mind is so powerful. And it's always it's always fascinated me that God says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He doesn't say your heart or, you know, anything else, but the the mind, because he, he knew how important our thoughts would be to the way that we live out our faith, to, to our faith, to, to the way we live life. And so, yeah, being in God's word is absolutely essential. And we might be in it in a time and think, well, you know, I nothing really jumped out at me or you know, didn't necessarily, you know, set the world on fire with the word today. It's not totally resonating. And, and then that may make us say, well, I'm not really getting much out of it. And then we kind of slack off, but not realizing that, you know, God's word is almost in a fact, like a, a daily, you know, vitamin. And if I'm not taking the vitamin that, you know, releases itself throughout the day, like God's nutrients of his word can't fully release themselves in our lives if we're not taking it in. And it's just at the proper time, we're going to be so grateful that we've invested that time in the word because it's to your point, when we hit the wilderness or we hit, you know, a, a rough spot or whatever the case is, it's like, wow, like the God's living word is active in me. And I, it's like, it's, it's working itself out now because I have ingested it and I have taken it in. Yeah, it's so true. And, you know, it's interesting, <clears throat> excuse me, it's interesting as you read through the scriptures and you see different times that people went through a wilderness season. Jesus went through one. The Israelites went through one. Elijah, all of these different people. You'll see these moments where they became hungry and they became thirsty. Well, here's the thing. As human beings, we have a choice of what we fill ourselves with. And so spiritually speaking, when you're in a wilderness and you're thirsty, you have a choice of what you're going to go quench your thirst with. It could be something that brings you life, like a time with Jesus and his word that uh, just fills your soul, or it could be something that brings, you know, death. It could be, you know, things that hurt you, like, you know, a substance or like, um, you know, I know a lot of people turn to pornography for comfort or things they turn to for comfort and to quench a thirst for intimacy and all those things that end up being destructive. And so it's it's real. When you're in the wilderness, you have a choice of where you're going to run to to quench that thirst for, especially for a woman who is hurting. You know, the world's going to say, turn here and find life. And oftentimes that place where you're being tempted to turn is death. And uh, Jesus said, come to me, all who are thirsty, come to me, because he is the only one who is truly life. Yeah, amen to that. So, so drinking of the water, God's living word is a survival skill in the wilderness and, and something that prepares us for our time of wilderness. What are, what are some others that you write about in your book? Yeah, I'm going to, I'll share one more um, that I think that would speak to women. Um, 
when I was a little girl, my grandmother was a native American Indian and, um, and she, we would go out and play on her farm and things. And she would always look at me before we went out, I guess, cause I liked food so much. And she goes, don't eat the red berries. Hmm. And I always remembered that. And, you know, of course, as an adult, I realized those red berries, sometimes they look delicious and they look just like they are great, but they were actually poisonous and you could die. And, you know, if you grow up in around a farm, you know, there's blackberries and blueberries and all kinds of things that are out there that are good to eat. But those red berries are the ones that actually are filled with poison. And so when women walk through a wilderness season, we're often tempted to eat the red berry that I call bitterness. Mm -hmm. And that is really um, unforgiveness. It's when you hold on to anger, bitterness, and resentment against maybe someone who hurt you, someone who rejected you, or even towards God because things did not go as you planned. And when we don't forgive and we don't um, you know, let go of that bitterness, instead of the other person being hurt, we're the ones who hurt. That bitterness poisons us. And so I, one of the greatest things that God did for me in my own wilderness is leading me to forgive uh, those who hurt me, uh, leading me to release bitterness over my uh, unmet expectations. And I don't think I would have come out of that um, just full of life and thriving had I not done that. And so that would be my biggest challenge to women listening right now is if you are if there's someone that you think of right now and you hold animosity or unforgiveness or anger towards them, stop letting that person poison your life because God has so much better. And Jesus tells us over and over and over again, forgive, 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 not because it's just a commandment, but because it's the key to life. And that's where we are free when we forgive the people that hurt us. Now, forgiveness does not mean that what that person did was okay. And it does not mean what they did was right. It just means that we release them to God. Let God be the judge and let God be the one who is our defender. Yeah, I can relate to that. Oh, I hate to admit, but the anger and bitterness, man, I went through a handful of seasons of that. And it was just it, it sucks the life out of you. And it actually sucks the life out of everyone else in your space, because bitterness is not contained. It's not compartmentalized. It really permeates. So what for women saying, you know, that sounds awesome. And I've, you know, I've tried to forgive and I, I just can't. Are there are there practical steps that you found useful for yourself, Marion, that you might share with listeners on how to even begin that process of forgiveness? Uh, you know, a couple things. It really depends on the personality type. I would say for someone who's a journaler, just open your journal and begin to write out verses where Jesus tells us to forgive. And then literally write down Jesus, comma, I forgive. And then put the person's name down for, and then begin to list the grievances, the hurt. And this person may already be dead. This person may never know the things they've done. Write them down and then put Jesus, I release this person to you. And then say, forgive me for the bitterness and the anger and the unforgiveness I hold and now cleanse me of the sin. So literally just cathartically getting that out. And here's the thing about forgiveness. You might not initially forgive it and feel the, the emotion of it, 
But obedience is not about feeling an emotion. God will honor your obedience there. Okay. And he'll, he'll do that. The emotions of forgiveness will come later. So just write it out, uh, for people who are more, um, what I would call maybe mystical or more people who their prayer is more in their mind. Uh, sometimes I, um, when I'm praying with women, I say, I just want you to imagine, just close your eyes and imagine Jesus on the cross. I want you to imagine him dying to forgive you of your sin. No, mm-hmm. want them to imagine standing before Jesus and watching him dying to forgive your sin. Yeah. Now, Jesus says to us, if you can't forgive someone else, I can't forgive you. Now, that's a heavy statement. So and then I say, I want you to imagine the person that you're having trouble forgiving. I want them, you to imagine them standing at the foot of the cross with you. And just as you are receiving Jesus' forgiveness, I want you to release them to receive Jesus' forgiveness. And so then at that what that does is it puts us on both on equal playing foot at the foot of the cross where we say, I'm a sinner too, that person's a sinner, and just as much as I need forgiveness, I know they need forgiveness. And so it just releases uh, us from being in that place where we feel like it's our job to judge and our job to hold on to that bitterness and letting that person experience Christ as well. Now, that's all kind of just, you know, prayer that you kind of just have to imagine in your mind. But um, I think what it does is just you just saying, God, the same way you've forgiven me, I want you to forgive this person. And, but then also asking forgiveness for holding on to that bitterness. And once again, it's not saying that what that person's done is right. You know, for instance, I was sexually abused as a child by someone outside of my home. I had to forgive that person in order to move forward, in order to have life and peace. But that never says that that action was right. It's me releasing the toxins and the bitterness and the chains that came from holding on to that unforgiveness. Yeah, that's a, and that's a good distinction is forgiving is not saying that something was right, but it is when we hold on to that unforgiveness, it really just keeps us stuck. And I, I remember, I don't know if you would agree with this or not, but I remember hearing at one point, We know that we haven't forgiven if we keep bringing the conversation up or we keep talking about that person and, you know, we we still kind of have this angst about us if we, if we, if the story keeps resurfacing. But when we find ourselves not like continually bringing up what that wrong is or whatever the, you know, whatever the case is, is when we have a, when we see that we're starting to really release and we're starting to experience that freedom. And that when Christ says that he came, that we may have freedom, but it's just, it seems so hard. But the thing I think about too, is that, man, this is when we have to really surrender and release and let God be God and rely not on our own strength, but rely on the strength of Jesus. I mean, this is, this is where the rubber hits the road because we can't of our own strength, we will not be able to do this. And I, I, I think that's such a great statement, Lisa. Sometimes we have to tell God, I can't do this, but I want you to do it through yes. me. Yes. You know, I can't in my flesh and my sinful nature, I can't forgive this person, but would you help me? Would you do it? And, uh, you know, God just wants our willingness. He just wants our obedience and he knows we're weak and he wants to help us. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I'd love for our listeners to know how they can get in contact with some of your resources. They can pick up your book, Wilderness Skills for Women, which we've had the pleasure of getting a taste of today. But I'm sure there's much more in that book that our listeners can read and really find some value in. But tell our listeners how they can reach you and also what are you up to any new projects these days? What are you up to? Yeah, so um, all of my resources are on redeemedgirl.org, redeemedgirl, or you can put in marionjordanellis.com, and it'll go to the same website. So redeemedgirl.org or marionjordanellis.com, and that's where you can find all my books and teachings and et cetera. Um, Or I have an app as well. Um, Just go to iTunes or Google Play, and that's the Redeemed Girl app, and that's where you can find teachings and blogs and all that kind of stuff. Um, So... um, I am up to planning our big summer conference. We've, we've talked about the weather in January, but I'm thinking about July right now because we have women from across the nation come to Pensacola, Florida for four days of just really intensive discipleship where um, I teach God's word and we talk about, you know, we lift high Jesus and we worship him. And then we spend time in the afternoons on the beach and just really absorbing um, just some time to breathe and to get away. I mean, doesn't that sound awesome right now? Oh my gosh. Are you kidding me? Yes. <laughs> um so really, that's um, what my team is planning, and I have, of course, you know, a full schedule of uh, conferences and events, and about to start writing another book. And I had just had a new book come out called Stand, which I'm really excited about, and really, in many ways, it's the part two to the wilderness. Awesome. Well, I love what you're up to. Gosh, God's favor and blessing. I just pray that you are just continually surprised and delighted by how God is working through you and in you. And I just delight to talk to you today and share your wisdom and your experience with our listeners. And hey, guys, just know I'm standing for you. We want to live a life that is unhindered and unleashed and being firmly rooted in who we are in Christ. And I pray that this podcast has sparked some ideas in you and helped you to latch on to some skills that you can apply immediately, even if one is, hey, up your time in the Word. That is where it is at. The Word is life. It's living water. And God says it does not return empty. So if you're looking for a first step, that can be one of them. And then check out Marion's resources on her app and also at redeemgirlministries.org. You can find all of her information there. Well, we love you guys and we look forward to tuning in and seeing you next time. 